Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety, the dangers of alcohol and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate. And I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching, and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. Episode nine, Steph. We're racking them up. Racking them up. (laughs) So this week, we are going to talk about dopamine, um, which I really don't know much about. Well, I didn't know until we started this conversation. I know people drink for a lot of different reasons, but one of them is is to sort of get that hit that we now know is very short-lived and it comes with a lot of crap on the other end. But it is something that we chase and it's something that a lot of people talk about and a lot of people are worried about losing when they stop drinking. Yeah. And we have Johnny on today. He's a self-development coach and he talks about dopamine, but he also shares with us his own experience with having a huge hit of dopamine minus the alcohol. Uh, But like talking about dopamine and kind of what that means and what it is and how, you know, with alcohol, that's what we're doing, right? I mean, everyone wants to feel good, which is why we drink. And that dopamine is what makes us feel good. It helps erase that bad emotion or the boredom or the uncomfortableness. And I have some notes here about how alcohol gives us that effect, but it's not last not what we're sold is it right right because it's a depressant right so it affects your brain's natural level of happiness chemicals so it like hijacks it and it's not natural anymore so yeah you get it but it's not in the natural way so the crash that hangover the next day the feeling depressed and anxiety that's the crash because what it does then is depletes that chemical in our body. And then that's kind of where the addiction comes from, because now we're just using this artificial way of getting it because it's quick and it's easy and you don't have to work for it. Because if it's natural dopamine, presumably when you come down, you think that was amazing and I'm still buzzing from it. Whereas with alcohol, you don't get that because it wasn't natural. And so then you get the chemical downside for it which is so much more severe okay that makes sense yeah yeah so I think that's a lot of what we deal with when we get sober in the beginning is we're so used to soothing ourselves with that to get our feel good that it's like finding new ways of getting natural dopamine which as you start finding those are way better I have a list here of the dopamine drips as they call them, because they're more (laughs) long lasting things like exercise, sunlight, volunteering, music, connection, meditation, seven hours or more of sleep, which you and I talk about all the time. We love our sleep and we get lots of that. And just sitting with gratitude, like making a gratitude list. Now these things might be a little bit more work, but they're way better. I mean, have you experienced that joy yourself, Kate, in doing any of these? I'm, do you know what, if I'm being really honest, and I always, I am the biggest advocate of of sobriety. I love it. And I love everything about it. And my whole life has changed for the better. 
But that instant hit of something that brings instant relief, I have not found. But what I've realized is that I don't need that. Chasing those instant hits, it's so short-lived that you're constantly feeling that the rest of your life doesn't live up to it. It's really dangerous. I would rather have a life that is on a parallel and better at everything than, than something that gives you the kind of the cherry on the top of the cake and the rest of the cake is poisonous. I mean, it, it's just, when you think about it, when you step back, as so often happens in so many of our conversations and you look at it, it is so bloody obvious, isn't it? You want your whole life to be better. You don't want to feel amazing for five minutes in return for feeling like crap for five hours. No one would buy something if that was on the on the label. Right. But we did it again and again. And, and you can see how addictive it is. But you you have found something that gives you that because you I don't do exercise. <laughs> you do. And you you've got that, haven't you? You get that yeah. proper dopamine hit. Yeah. And I think it really helped me, especially in the beginning of sobriety, because some people talk about feeling that you know, they're missing that dopamine, right? Because they gave up the alcohol and they're like, now what? Maybe they turn to sugar because that's another one that will give you that quick dopamine. And then you've got your sugar crash later. For me, I'm so grateful. It wasn't my intention when I got sober and started exercising at the same time. But now reflecting on it, it's probably why I always say they go hand in hand. Like I couldn't have stayed consistent with my exercise program if I wasn't sober. And I don't think I would have stayed sober if I didn't have my exercise program because it filled that void. All those emotions that I didn't want to feel and all that uncomfortableness that I didn't want to feel that I used alcohol for now exercise was helping me work through those in a much healthier way. Because yeah, I didn't feel like shit the next day. I felt amazing the next day because I did a workout, you know? I've got a question actually, because I don't do these kind of exercise programs, I, I swim when I can and I've, I've been bad at that recently. But a lot of people say they go on these binges for three or four days and then they go to the gym or they drink every night and then they try to go to the gym. But they're trying to kind of balance out the bad with the good. So that couldn't have the same effect because when you start from a good place and then you do exercise, it is literally purely positive. Whereas if you already view it as something that is trying to bring you back up to a basic level of health, it, it really, you can't even say that you experienced it. If you're, if you're drinking regularly and then trying to exercise to balance it out, you're not even experiencing that hit, are you? Because you're starting from a, a sort of grouchy alcohol induced position. So it might even be something that people who regularly exercise but drink have never even experienced the pure effect is that true it's so true because that's what i used to do you know exercise for me was a form of punishment i went into it as okay you drank all weekend consumed all these calories ate like shit now you got to get your ass in the gym you need to do all this cardio you need to and it was pure punishment which Fine. made me hate exercise yeah and now I see it as, oh my gosh, I'm going to go get strong and healthy. I come at it a completely different angle, but it's true. I think there are people that don't even, they think that they're just keeping a balance, but it, mentally it can't, it has to be so challenging because I know it was for me. Definitely. I mean, I, I get that and I get the exercise thing and, and lots of people exercise is their dopamine savior. Mm -hmm. The thing is that 
for me, alcohol wasn't a dopamine in that it kind of, I was fine and I drank and it elevated me. For me, I was stressed or my mind was busy and I used it to slow myself down. So I guess when you talk about dopamine, it's not always about elevating yourself to this kind of amazing state. Sometimes it's just taking you out of a worse state and bringing you back Mm -hmm. to what you would consider a normal state. And that's important as well, because when you think about replacing it, you know, I don't need to replace something that made me feel like I was flying. I just need to find something that makes me feel calm because that's what I used it for. And actually, I think I'm achieving that purely by not drinking but I still want things to be excited about. I want things to look forward to. And I need something because I'm not looking forward to that glass of wine or that bottle of wine at the end of the day. And that's what I really felt was missing when I gave up. It was like, well, what do I do now? What do I do? What do I have to look forward to? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think creating a busier life and finding your hobbies when you eliminate alcohol as a hobby, that's the key. And that's where you're going to find the answers to this, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even have to be exercise. Yeah. It could be finding old hobbies. Anytime you do something where there's like an achievement with it, because the achievement is the reward. So like things like getting back, maybe you used to do puzzles or you like to do puzzles. I mean, something as simple as that, like that will give you a dopamine hit because you've put something together. You've created something, you know, creating things. Like I just started crocheting again and I've noticed, I just started it over the weekend. I'm spending way less time on my phone and I'm sitting there and creating this beautiful blanket. And that feels so much better than going on my phone. And cause I've gotten in a really bad habit lately, which is definitely a dopamine dump getting on the phone scrolling and just looking for something to stimulate me or to entertain me and now I'm using my hands instead to create something so it doesn't are you using your hands though Steph because I've seen the blanket and I'm sure it was made by a machine because it's massive you could fit a family (laughs) of 10 under that thing it's a tent no way you did that on your own with your hands you must have a machine hidden somewhere (laughs) yeah incredible I love it. So it's just finding whatever it is for you that makes you feel good, feel a sense of like you accomplished something. And phones is an interesting one because a lot of people talk about getting addicted to Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or something when they go sober. And it might start off as a support network, but it becomes something a bit more sinister and they start getting addicted to their phones and they all they're doing is scrolling. They're not actually getting anything out of it anymore. And that's something that Johnny said he really has had a problem with because he's realized since his adventure that we're going to hear about, he's realized how amazing it was to step away from his phone. Should we go and chat to him? Yes. Let's hear what Johnny has to say about his hit of dopamine. The way that I understand dopamine is that it's a neurochemical, a neuromolecule that plays several important roles in our cells. And uh, dopamine is responsible for allowing us to, to feel pleasure, satisfaction, motivation, all of those things that we all crave and want and seem to find really difficult to achieve. When you feel good, that's because you've achieved something and you get a surge of dopamine in the brain. It's kind of that simple. And I think it needs to be kept that simple because we could go into neuroscience. I mean, I, I can't, but someone probably could. <laughs> but 
But Not I think me. What it, well, what it comes down to is that we chase things that make us feel good, right? And it's like, for whatever reasons we drunk, it came from somewhere. It came as something for some reason, you know, it, it's not just an accident, you know, maybe it is for some people. I can't speak for everybody, but it certainly wasn't for me. And I haven't seen it yet in my clients um, that I work with that have addiction challenges. But I mean, I take it a step further. I like to apply psychology to everything, you know, so that's neuroscience, that's dopamine. But let's move away from dopamine for a moment. Let's just say it made us feel good. It gave us something. That's probably a better way of putting it. It yeah. gave us something. And when we give up alcohol, apart from the abstinence of alcohol, which is difficult, I'm not just going to say, oh, yeah, just stop drinking because it's that easy, right? Um, it, we stop drinking and we either do that or we don't. It's an action, right? So what it comes down to is um, what's driving it? You know, what are we getting from alcohol? And I remember when I, I stopped drinking and I, I had some help and support, as we all should. Um, and I said to my therapist, why do I drink? And he said, if you want to know why you drink, stop drinking. It can take a really long time for you to realize what's obvious, you know, and it's only obvious afterwards, right? But at the time, you know, you just can't seem to stop. You seem like you're self-destructing and all this sort of thing and you're self-sabotaging. But I have a view around self-sabotage. I don't think it's self-sabotage. I think it's self-soothing. You know, the reason we do it is because we're trying to soothe ourselves. Unfortunately, the only, re the only way we know how to do that is through alcohol at that time. So the, the plight becomes, what does it give us? Yeah. And how do we recreate it without alcohol? And with psychology, I've, I've, um, I've discovered that, you know, there are two ways that you can create a value or a desire, whatever you want to call it. Our values are really deep inside us, the core values, whatever they are, the things that drive us all the time towards our behavior. And there's, I'm going to be really careful when I pronounce this word. I've got it written down here because I want to say it right. Cause it, it and you'll know why in a second, uh, it's the organismic valuing process yes <laughs> i have made this mistake <laughs> and um what that is is when when we when we have something we physically confirm to ourselves that we like it you know that's through our senses so it might smell good it might taste good it might make us feel good in some way but whatever it is we are definitely making that decision for ourselves this is a bit of me I want this. This is the organismic valuing process going on right now. The other way it happens is interjected. Yeah. So that means that you do something and some in some way you are rewarded for the action. You didn't enjoy the action. You were, you enjoyed the reward, you know? So again, okay. that's where, um, for me anyway, alcohol comes in because let's face it. I, and I, and I know this now, and I can only talk about it from myself, obviously. Um, I go to the pub still with friends, not often, not certainly no, nowhere near as often as I used to, but we'll, we'll go for a roast dinner on a Sunday, things like that. And for a little while, I, I was having non-alcoholic beers. And then, and then there's one or two that I really do like, but most of the time, they're okay. They're certainly not as good as a glass of lemonade, you know, and it took me a long time to admit that to myself. So I'm getting the organismic valuing process from a lemonade. I'm getting the interjective valuing process from the zero alcohol. But I'm now yeah. recognizing that because I haven't got all the other stuff that comes with it, all of the getting drunk and the bad decisions and all those different things. So I had to work out what it gave me. And um, this is the most well-timed um, conversation that I think I've ever had because I'm not sure I got anywhere close to working out what it was until I went to Morocco. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I've been sober for over two years now. And I've been on a very quiet search for 
why did I drink? Why did I drink? And I, I know sort of why. Um, and it was for two contradicting reasons. I drunk to connect with my emotions. I also drunk to escape my emotions, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, you might say, oh, but that's, that's they're the two opposites. But I like to use this example of, um, uh, I, I read it somewhere a long time ago about free, the free bowls. Have you ever heard of that? Is an experiment that was done. And uh, there's free bowls and the middle bowl is lukewarm water. It's room temperature, whatever you want to call it. One is freezing cold. Yeah. So ice cubes in it. You know, the other one is near boiling. And you put your hands in the middle bowl and you can feel that it's room temperature water, right? No problem. There's no reaction, nothing, just room temperature water. You take one hand out, you put it in the hot bowl. Yeah. So, you know, you've got near scalding hot water on your skin. And the other one, you've got freezing cold water with ice in. So your bones start to feel like they're going to crack and shatter. And on this side, it feels like your skin's going to slide off. Anyway, you take your hands out and you put them both in the middle bowl. One hand will tell you that that water is boiling hot. The other one will tell you that it's freezing cold. The reason it does that is because of the environments it was in previously. So wow. underst understanding that contra that you can experience mm -hmm. two emotions at the same time is really, really important. You know, so that's why I know that I used to drink to connect with. And, and this can happen in the same night. I can be feeling an emotion that I'm finding hard to process. So I go to my old friend alcohol. I get that emotion out. Then I realize I don't like it and I'm going to get away from it. So I drink more. <laughs> you know, that was my process anyway. You know, but when I went to Morocco, well, let's start with why I agreed to go to Morocco. So Sober Dave, oh, I know you know, <laughs> and he he sort of said to me, I'm doing this balmy thing and I can't stop thinking about you doing it with me. And I'm just like, well, you better explain that real quick. This is going to get real weird. Yeah, this might be a this might be a deal breaker for us, Dave. I'm, you know. <laughs> anyway, he, he said he was going to Morocco to climb uh, Mount Tukau which is the highest point in the Atlas Mountains in North Africa. And my first reaction was absolutely not. And he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no problem. I went home and I was telling my wife about it. And as I heard myself saying it out loud, I'm like, wait, this is absolutely everything you love. What's wrong with you? What's going on here? And I realized I was scared. I was scared. Like, I just straight up admit, I was scared of it all. I was scared of all of the, you know, I heard the definition of anxiety once, which was the um, awareness of infinite possibilities, which is like, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, I, none of that. I have no control over any of that. And I, I never really was quite, I don't know if I was fully aware of how much I enjoy being in control or at least convincing myself I'm in control. Anyway, I, I agreed. I said, no, I've got to do this now. I've, I've got to do this. This is what I've always been. I've always been a person that stands up for myself when I'm scared. Um, I spent a lot of my life as a child um, due to domestic violence and physical violence. As a child, I spent a lot of my my life being scared. And that came through into my adulthood, believing that I was a scared and weak person. And I wasn't. I was brave because you cannot be brave without first being scared. And that's what I thought, right? This is what I do. I do brave things, right? So let's go. Let's do it. So I paid the money as quick as I could. And then I tried to forget about it. <laughs> and then as we, as we got closer, I was like, what have I done? Why have I done this? Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And uh, anyway, I just broke it down like I would to a client. And it's funny, it's those moments of hypocrisy when you're talking to clients and you want to offer perspective, realizing that that's actually going on in your life and you're not doing anything about it either. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, that that's very helpful sometimes. But anyway, um, I agreed to it and went out there. And I can say that trip 
was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. It it broke it. No, it didn't break me. I don't like that. It um, it strips me down to. It took everything that wasn't real away, and left me with what's real. And what was there was my choice to accept or not. That that was it. And you know it. It gave me a feeling that I don't know that I've experienced since I stopped drinking alcohol. You know, it get and I, I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't think of what it. What is this feeling I'm getting? Well, I was outside a lot, obviously, most of the time, because the accommodation we were staying in respectfully wasn't, let's just say it wasn't five star. <laughs> I had limited possessions. I had two bags. That's all I had. I had this incredible bonding connection that was started and developed and grew very, very quickly with the team that I was with. I wasn't in charge, you know, and I found myself annoying. So what time is dinner? When are we doing this? What time are we setting off tomorrow? What time should we go to bed? Blah, 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 blah. And then I just thought, stop it. Just stop it. Trust this guy who may or may not have done this before, Johnny. <laughs> and and <laughs> let's go with it. Let's do, you're not in charge. That can be a good thing. You know, you've got no responsibility. Just, yeah. just crack on. Um, no phone. I think the most beneficial thing anyone can do for themselves in 2023 is have time away from their phone. So the first two days... I was picking up my phone endlessly. You know what? <laughs> I didn't have any phone service. Every time I picked it up, nothing to see here. <laughs> so after two days, and it took two days, I stopped picking it up. I actually switched off, put it in a bag somewhere and forgot about it. I, I, I get goosebumps now because I can't express to you the freedom that gives you. Uh, you don't realize how much what you read on your phone impacts your mood, your thoughts, the, 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 the way you see things, the, everything. It's like a it's like a lens. It's like wearing a pair of glasses, you know, and seeing the world through that. So for me, not having the phone was massive. No social media, no messages, no emails, no news, no nothing. Just just me out in nature with limited possessions, beautiful team and not being in charge. So after analyzing it like that, um, alcohol gave me the feeling of freedom. But that trip gave me freedom. And that's what it is. We, we're trying to escape, right? Something is really hard and overwhelming and difficult and feels impossible. Oh, my God, I need to get away from it. Oh, what do you mean I can get blackout drunk? Yes, please. <laughs> you know, it was just easier, right? I'm, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying these were my choices at the time. So I went out and I did that. And it was just incredible. Unfortunately, um, I, got, I got really sick. <laughs> which wasn't ideal. You know, I got altitude sickness. I, I, I had to stop for the toilet many times on the hill, five, in fact. <laughs> my whole body felt like a heartbeat. My head was banging. I was down to three, three steps and stop. Um, I was heavily oh, relying yeah. on my pole. Um, and it was just, it was a nightmare. And there was a lot of ice climbing as well. So climbing in the snow, we, we probably should have had axes and crampons, but we didn't. And that's okay. You know, we crossed crevasses, we crossed ice ridges. It was madness. But going through all of that, I just, it was me against me. There was no ego. There was no nothing. I didn't have anything. I was just like, okay, I, I need to work this out. And what it gave me was this beautiful experience where my body and my mind were forced to work together. They weren't bickering. They weren't disagreeing. They weren't going conflicting against each other. They were like, oh, we're in trouble here. We need to, we need to, you know, it's like imagine a bunch of people that don't get along and all of a sudden they're in a situation where they need to get along. They just put everything to the side and get on with it. And I got to the top and, uh, you know, at one point, I, and I, and I want to, I, I want to mention that one of the guides, Stuart, 
who was just my absolute he took my bag at about 100 or so odd meters to the top and he took my and he had a big bag on his back and he took my bag for me because he just he could see i was struggling but then do you know what he did as well because he's such an amazing bloke he gave it back to me as i summited so i didn't look weak in front of the lads and i was like you didn't need to do that but it was just that i it was the it was the, it was the gesture of it that i i found amazing but I got to the top and then, and then I look up and there's Dave with like Welling and I just broke down on his shoulder, man. I just, I just cried. And I, you know, I had a moment on the way up where a few little demons rose up and I started thinking about all sorts of things from my childhood, some, some recent events that have happened in my life that have been difficult. And, you know, there'd been blockages. Um, I think it's ego. I think our ego, um, it gives us the illusion that it's trying to, protect us and do what's best for us but it, it doesn't do that as such it, it gives us it, it moves us towards what we like and moves us away from what we don't like unfortunately what we like is not always good for us um and the ego can go up against us cause conflict tell us that we don't deserve this we don't deserve that all of, all the time pushing aside what we want what we actually want and i think sometimes it's difficult to give yourself permission shame guilt all them different things come in it's hard to give yourself permission to want to do something that's not conventional that other people might not think is the right decision it's about self-trust self-worth you know self-esteem self-confidence believing in your own judgment which is really difficult um but it was just a real moment of vulnerability i felt really stripped back and you know that evening when i finally got down from the on the mountain and i was lying in bed uh I went to sleep. You know those, you know those early days of sobriety when um, it feels impossible and the best decision you can make is just go to bed. Uh, that was where I was at. I was like, right, all these thoughts started coming into my head of, uh, you know, I ruined my experience. I did all this, did all that. And I was just like, no, no, go to bed. That, you're tired. You're tired. Go to bed. So I went to sleep. Didn't have any trouble getting to sleep, may I say. Uh, and then I woke up in the morning and thankfully my first thought was what an adventure, you know, because it was. And you know the question was like where where do i how do i replace what do I, what is the feeling that i got from alcohol it was a feeling of freedom um release escape i put myself in a situation where i had to surrender for me to go up there and think oh i'll take on this mountain this mountain doesn't move it doesn't do anything it just stands there and be bad <laughs> and i just it wasn't going to let me off anything it was like right you either climb it or you're not bro <laughs> you know it's just up to you yeah you know and, and so i was just like okay uh, suppose i'm climbing <laughs> you know so I, I was humbled and again that's that's that ego again isn't it I've had to, and I'm sure you both have, had to accept some things I don't want to accept in my life. I was born into violence. I had to watch a lot of violence. I was I was tortured as a child, all these different things. And um, I help people now validate their anger around stuff like that. I think what becomes difficult about sobriety is it's like there's there's the abstinence of alcohol, which is the first part. And then there's the recovery part. There's the understanding that okay, I was doing this to either connect or escape my emotions, regardless of which it is or whether it's both, it's still all about your emotions. You know, it's about understanding how you are feeling. I had, I had this experience about, uh, <laughs> so I gave up drinking and the first week was like really easy. And I was like, why did I do this ages ago? I've nailed this. And then the next week I was like, hmm, I'm in these really uncomfortable thoughts. <laughs> and then by the time by the time I got to Saturday, uh, the dog was knackered because it got about 85 walks a day. And then uh, on, on Saturday uh, at six o'clock, I had this overwhelming craving for wine. And I, that's when the negotiations in my head started, right? All of the different stuff that that was the real, it was a real 
I now look at it as a real choke point, a real like, oh, it could have gone either way there in that moment. And then I had this little chat with myself. I was like, all right, Johnny, are we saying that this inanimate object, this bottle of liquid has got all this power over you? Because that's pretty sad if that's the case. And I was just like, no, it can't do. I'm giving it power. Okay, so what's happening there? And what I realized was that this craving was not a craving. By calling it a craving, I'm casting a vote for alcohol. <laughs> I'm letting it win. I'm telling it, yeah, this is this is what you've got over me. You've got this power because you're you're creating these cravings inside me. And what I realized was that it wasn't a craving. It was a reaction. It was a reaction to my emotions. It was the only reaction I had. Therefore, I was then drinking. So Johnny talks about how he drank to feel free. And that was exactly what he found when he climbed that mountain was that same feeling of freedom, which just is incredible to connect those dots and to like figure out, like he said, figure out why he always was drinking and using alcohol. I think it's huge to figure that out in your sober journey. It is. And and it's interesting because he said, if you want to know why you drank, stop drinking. And again, that's just so wise, isn't it? And I know someone said it to him and, and we're saying it now. And that's what I love about these kind of quotes is that you pass them on and, and they make it, they make sense to other people who are on the same sort of journey. And it's so true because those awkward feelings or those feelings of boredom or sadness or panic or stress, they come along and you think, now this is when I want wine. Why am I suddenly wanting wine at five o'clock? Because I've just finished work. The kids have been back for a couple of hours, whatever. And you suddenly realize that's why I was drinking because of this feeling. So you can identify them. And that's so important because everyone who drinks too much is doing it for a reason. In my opinion, it's not because they love the taste of alcohol. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it's because they just suddenly become addicted to alcohol. Because if you're genuinely happy and you're getting everything you want out of life, you don't want to get to the point of blackout drunk because you're happy as you are. So there is a reason. And, and whether it's to control your emotions or to dampen down feelings that have been stressing you out all day or because you just want to have a quick relax. You know, there are so many different reasons, even if your friends are pressuring you and they drink all the time and you're in a situation where everyone goes to the pub after work. I've been in those environments and I wanted to be with the cool people. I wanted to be with the people I admired and they all drank immediately after work at five o'clock. You know, there are so many. And I think the reasons that we drink change over time. I don't mm -hmm. think that for all of us. It's always just one clear thing that we're looking for and then we need to deal with that and it's done because we evolve. You know, no one becomes an alcoholic or someone who has a problem with alcohol overnight. It develops over time and we change over that time. So it's really important to step back and look at all the different phases of your life and, and who you were, why you drank then and, and why you drank now. And then find a way to piece all of that together in a healthy, organic way that isn't going to hurt you. Yeah, it's so true. Developing new ways to cope because it's years and years and years of coping with alcohol. And I mean, I, you know, he talks about the bowls and yeah. putting, you know, that I related to that because, and it felt so, once again, what community is about, right, is when somebody says something that finally like puts into words what you have always 
felt. Yeah. And that's the first time I feel like somebody finally described exactly how I felt when I was drinking. And it was just incredible to hear that. And so I just want to thank him again for, for using that example. Cause I am also a big fan of metaphors, yeah. but it's true. You know, like that was my reason for drinking. I wanted to hide the emotion, but yet I was still feeling the emotion. Well, like how he described it once again was just perfect, but yeah, like using the alcohol as a coping mechanism for so long, it's a very hard habit to break, but you can't just white knuckle it and say, I'm just going to quit drinking and not investigate because if you're not investigating all your little triggers and all the things, then you can't get ahead of them. And then that's how you quickly fall back into relying on the alcohol because you have to call yourself out. It's so true. And what did he say? He said something like, I was stripped of everything that wasn't real and I was left with what was real. And it was up to me whether or not I accepted that or not. And I think that's when people slide back into drinking because they're not in a in a place that they're ready to accept it. But I do think that every time people do stop, you know, I'm a real believer in those days still count. You don't just scrap them. And, and it's it's really hard because going back to day one is such a downer. I just cut ties with everyone, all the community that I had developed and I just stopped and I drank again heavily for months and months when it happened to me because I'd done over over two months and I felt so disappointed in myself and I didn't want anyone to be nice to me. I didn't want people going, come on, you can do it again. And I just went, I'm going. And I just went, no, no more. And it's such a shame because it was that day one that I was focusing on instead of the 67 days or whatever that I had done and it was completely the wrong way to think about it because I had felt better. I had learned things about myself. And just because I drunk for one evening, those things didn't go away. And I'd taken real steps towards finding out about myself to finding those real, because I'd been doing stuff for two months. I'd been finding natural dopamine and I just chucked it all away. And it took me so long to come back and try again. So I think that's a really important point I would like to make is that if you do slip up if you have slipped up it might be back to day one if you're counting and you want a straight run but all of those other days are in the bag you've done them they're not going anywhere you will always have those and they count oh yeah they definitely count so when are we gonna go climb a mountain kate are we gonna when i get a new knee (laughs) i have i need a new knee because i was a basketball player due to my height um (laughs) And I was like, I'm the only American in this school. I need to get a basketball. <laughs> and I was good, but I've really messed up my knee. So actually exercise, that's one of the reasons I can't yeah. do it. But it's also, you know, I think back and I think, did that bother me? Is, is that one of the reasons? You know, it's it's sort of debilitating. I can still walk and you wouldn't know I had a problem with my knee until someone says, can we do, can we climb a mountain? Mm-hmm. And I have to say no. But we we start getting lazy. We start using alcohol for an excuse for absolutely anything, don't we? And we're all guilty of that. But actually, when you do strip it all away and you sit there and you go, this is me without any drugs, without any mind altering stuff, I have to look at myself. And what I need to do is love what I'm looking at. What do I need to do to make that a reality and that's it. And that's self-care, that progress from, from then to where we are now, you know, and we're both 17 and a half months in, we're by no means 
gurus, but we're, we've done enough time that we know this is the right choice for us uh, and we're, we're strong in our sobriety, but we're still working on ourselves. But it is, it's enjoyable because no one can take any of those away. We're not going to get really drunk and completely mess our friendships up or our relationships up for no reason other than we were drunk. And, and that I find incredibly exciting. Yeah. And the self-awareness and the trust that we have now to, you know, self-worth. Yeah. 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 And, and to just, you know, investigate and, and be ready and willing to admit, okay, this is why I was drinking and, and what can I do now instead of reach for the alcohol and just keep doing that repeat every day and figuring out what you love to do. And soon you just kind of wash that that alcohol away and you've got new ways of coping and and handling all your emotions absolutely you literally don't need it anymore Mm-mm. and i think johnny said believing in your own judgment and and it's so true because that makes you so much more powerful and more confident because you you start to trust yourself you know and and he he talks about how alcohol gives you freedom release and escape but it isn't real freedom or release or escape it's fake alcohol is a big bloody liar you know and it and it promises all this stuff and really it it's just a very clever pickpocket it's taking all of the good stuff in your life while you're not looking and smiling at you saying i'll give you this it doesn't give you any of that it's no. just a lie alcohol has never made anyone happier it just hasn't it might give you a 5 minute boost of confidence you know we're not denying that we can't say that alcohol is terrible and there are no benefits at all in the short term because there are, but they are so short-lived, like literally minutes, like the first glass. It, it's that extreme, isn't it? It's not yeah. the whole and the, night. And the price you pay for that Ugh. is awful. I mean, for me, it, it was the horrible anxiety that would follow, you know, and then the regret and, you know, yeah, worrying about what did I say? I don't remember things. And that's where that trust and that self-confidence goes away yeah and then and you just want more and more because you need that five minutes more, right. more, more, and actually you're digging yourself a hole with your other hand while you're drinking with one and getting mm-hmm. that five minutes you're adding hours and hours and hours and getting it's getting darker and darker and deeper and deeper and and I think you can actually find hours worth of dopamine if you're doing something like walking, you know, and it doesn't have to be climbing a mountain, no. walking with a friend out in nature is one of my favorite things to do. And, you know, I'm I'm off in about 20 minutes to go jump in a camper van and, and drive up a hill with a friend and sleep in a tiny tent on my own, you know, with the wild dogs or whatever we have in England. <laughs> it's nothing. It's nothing like you lot have over there. You know, maybe a snail will climb up the edge of my um, tent, <laughs> but that's why I'm doing it. Um, but, you know, I, I'm so excited about that. I'm genuinely so much more excited about going to sleep under the stars than I would be about going out drinking because it's um, a holiday over here and everyone will be out tonight. Mm-hmm. And that will be so much longer lasting for me because not only will I have a good three or four hours of walking and chatting, I'm going to wake up in a setting and it's going to make me feel a sense of achievement, proud again that I didn't drink last night. And even 17 months down the line, I still feel proud of myself when I me wake up. Me too. You. Yeah. yeah. We were just we were just back home over the holiday weekend here. And 
you know, everyone back home still is drinkers. And I just, every night, you know, they're drinking and I would get up in the morning and think, I am so glad. Not that I wanted to join in because at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm well aware that I don't want to, and it's not triggering, but the joy of waking up in the morning and knowing that I don't feel like complete shit because in the past I would be feeling horrible and you don't forget that. I will never forget those days. I just won't because that's how horrific they were and how horrible I felt. But to wake up and know, oh my gosh, I don't have a hangover. I'm not anxious. I'm not sweaty. I don't have stomach problems. Oh, it, because we're so busy when we're home. I don't even know how I used to do it. I really I don't, don't either. People say that all the time. How do we manage? And and I I must have just been running on empty for so yeah. many years. And I, I I honestly don't know how I did it. Because if I don't get eight or nine hours sleep, I'm grouchy. And I never got good sleep when I was drinking. And I was no. drinking every night. So, I mean, how did I function on one cylinder you know, it's it's really and it's not until you realize how many cylinders you actually have at your disposal and how amazing life can be that you realize what you are missing. And I think that's um, that's one of the things when you that's the pink cloud thing for me that people talk about. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a, it's not a kind of feeling of euphoria. It's a realization of what is possible it's realizing I didn't know I could feel this good because if you have been drinking for so many years, you haven't, you've, you've forgotten the feeling that you, when you weren't drinking that you used to have when you woke up excited about the day ahead. And that is the feeling that I think people talk about when they say pink clouds, it's the possibilities. It is the possibilities. Healthy. It's the positive approach looking forward instead of looking backwards, Mm -hmm. you know, it's feeling I'm confident in myself. I'm looking better today. I'm feeling better. Anything is possible. What am I going to do? And and I hadn't felt that for so many years that you just, the realization is like, this is amazing. This is living. This is amazing. I didn't know this was possible. I didn't know yeah. this was me because I'd been fueled by alcohol for so long. And yeah. you don't have to drink gallons of the stuff every night for it to affect you. You know, you drink a glass every night, it's going to affect your mood the next day. It's going to affect how you sleep. It's going to affect everything. And that's that's why I hate these kind of limits. Oh, you can drink this much or not. It completely depends on who you are, because some people will get incredible anxiety after drinking one glass of wine. So I guess, Kate, I mean, you don't have to climb a mountain is what we're saying, but there's small things that you can do you know, finding your hobbies, finding exercises that you love to do, and then doing things like taking breaks from social media, you know, your phone mm-hmm. and um, getting outside. Like you said, you love to go for walks. I mean, connecting with nature is just like the best dopamine hit. Do you know what? You're so right. And speaking of that, there's a camper van about to pull up outside my house. So I'm going to say cheers, Steph. Bye, Kate. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we're just two women from opposite sides of the pond wanting to bring awareness around the negative effects of alcohol. We are not licensed therapists or doctors. If alcohol is causing any mental or physical health issues, please seek professional help. 
please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes. If you think our podcast could help someone you know, please be sure to share it. Also, leaving a five-star review will help The Sober Effect reach more people like you. The music for this show was produced and recorded by Pearl and Thumbelina Jim of the wonderful Charm Jar Music. More information can be found in our show notes.